I've been going through some old photographs of my family. Uh, my dad appears in a few of those photographs, but not very many because most of the time he was actually taking the photograph. But I know he was there because in several of the pictures, his thumb appears. And so, so I know that, hey, there's dad was there. I see his thumb. He, he was there. In most stable scenes, nativity scenes, Mary and Joseph are kind of in the background. Uh, Mary is usually kneeling there by the, the manger looking at the baby Jesus. Joseph is even farther in the background, usually standing behind Mary. Very uh, strong and yet almost unknown, even unseen. Their accounts are found in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. They describe why they were there around the manger that night, but they also teach us a very essential truth. God works through our faithfulness. Let's start this morning looking at the faithfulness of Joseph. Joseph exhibits the importance of faithful decisiveness. We don't have a lot of information about Joseph. What information we do have comes from Matthew, and there's a little bit of a mention in Luke. We know that he's a descendant of David, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Most scholars believe that Joseph probably had died by the time that Jesus had entered into adulthood and by the time of his ministry. We think that because, for one thing, he's not mentioned in the scriptures concerning uh, that area. But also, Jesus' request to John to take care of Mary when Jesus was on the cross and he knew he wasn't going to be there to take care of his mother anymore, at least physically. That would seem to indicate that Joseph was no longer around to take care of Mary as well. He probably was fairly young when he and Mary became engaged. The typical age for betrothal in New Testament time was around 18. Usually those were arrangements that were made by two families. Betrothal was a legal arrangement, a binding relationship. To be unfaithful during a time of betrothal would have been seen exactly the same way that adultery was seen. And that's what made Joseph's decision so painful. When he discovered that Mary was with child, he had a horrible choice. He could, by law, publicly humiliate Mary. And that wasn't just to be vengeful. The reason for that law was so that the, the man who had been wronged could prove his own righteousness in the situation. And actually, it went even deeper than that. By law, he could have ordered Mary to be executed for what appeared to be her adultery. It's what made his decision so painful. Joseph, we know, made a different choice. Initially, according to verse 19 in Matthew chapter 1, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph saw no gain in humiliating Mary. Instead, he chose to quietly move forward. And that takes a big man. 
No doubt there was anger, there was confusion, there was embarrassment on his part, but he chose to put someone else before himself, to put Mary's needs above his own, even though at that point he thought that she had wronged him. But there's much more to the story, much more that Joseph was about to find out in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph's reaction to this angelic message speaks volumes to us today. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. We don't know much about Joseph, but what we do know is crucial. Joseph was a man of deep, abiding, decisive faith. The description in verse 19 calls him a a righteous man. It describes the depth of his faith. He truly wanted to do what God wanted him to do. So when God sent him an angel in a dream, Joseph didn't need a second opinion. God had chosen Mary to give birth through this extraordinary miracle of the Holy Spirit, and he called Joseph to take care of Mary and the baby. I love the simplicity of the 24th verse. When he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he took Mary home as his wife. No, well, let me think about this for a few days. No, getting out a scroll and writing down the pros and the cons and kind of weighing it out a little bit. No. The minute he woke up, he set about doing what God had commanded him to do. Now, that's a guy that you want in your stable. I've never been very good at sports, in part because I was born without any athletic talent, but also in part because I tend to overthink things. Standing at the plate in uh, Little League, I'd be wondering, was well, this ball going to be a curveball? Is it going to be a slider? Is it going to be a fastball? Uh, the ball would be in the catcher's glove before I had realized that there wasn't anybody in our little league that could throw any of those pitches. In golf, I take enough practice swings, trying to get it just exactly right, I take enough practice swings to play about four rounds of golf before I ever hit the ball because I want to get it just right. In checkers, I can never decide which is the best move. And if you want to find the shortest line at the grocery store, just pick the line that I didn't choose. I'll come up and just survey out and try to see which one's the best one, make my choice, and I guarantee every time that's going to be the longest line. Joseph made an amazingly powerful decision. He decided to listen to God and do what God told him to do. That one decision changed the world. The thing about it is any of us can make that very same decision. 
Joseph was not specially trained. His training was in carpentry. He wasn't overly ambitious. He wasn't trying to move ahead socially. He didn't have an outgoing personality. But what he did have was a decisive faith, a willingness to get up in the morning and do what God told him to do. Wouldn't it be great if we just did that one thing? If each morning when we got up out of bed, we said, you know, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do today. Can you imagine all the things that God could do if we would just make that one decision to say, Lord, whatever it is today, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Joseph exhibits a decisive faith. Now, that's Joseph. But what about Mary? Mary exhibits faith as well, but she exhibits the importance of faithful service. Now, like Joseph, we don't have a lot of background information about Mary. Like Joseph, she was also a descendant of David. The genealogy in Luke chapter 3 is traced through Mary's family. What we know about Mary's background was that she was living in a city called Nazareth, that she was engaged to be married to Joseph, and that she was the cousin of Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist. Now, like Joseph, Mary also received an angelic message. It's recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel how this could possibly be. This this wasn't physically possible for her to be with child. But the angel explained that this was a miracle like none that had ever been seen. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel's answer was straightforward and yet powerful. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was was having a child in her old age. Mary knew all about that. She also knew that God could do this great miracle in her life as well. For as she heard in verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. And then comes the statement that tells us really all that we need to know about Mary. Verse 38, the first half of the verse. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me. As you have said, the word translated as servant is actually a little bit stronger than that servant in our mind conjures up, you know, the British uh, butler, just a very astute person, but but yet well respected, you know, wearing the very nice suit and and everybody likes him. Ah, That's not really the word here. The word literally means slave. Mary 
puts herself completely and totally under the Lord's control. If this was what the Lord wanted, then this was what Mary would do. I am, she says, the Lord's slave. May it be to me, as you have said. From time to time, Marcia and I need to rent a car. I don't know if you've ever gone through that experience. It can be a little bit of an interesting thing. Most car rental locations have specific rules about what you have to do when you rent a car. And and one of those rules is when you return the car, you have to return the keys as well. Actually, 100% of rental car agencies require you, when you return their car to them, you, you have to return the key. Even if you rent one of those cars that just has the push button and the little key fob, you, you've still got to return that when you bring the car back. Now, why do they require you to do that? Well, it's kind of obvious. The next person who rents the car is uh, probably going to want the keys also. They're not going to get very far without them. Mary had the key that makes the engine of faith go. She recognized the importance of faithful service. Now, there's no doubt that Mary believed in God. There's no doubt that she had been faithfully praying for the coming of the Messiah. There's no doubt that she was very well versed in the scriptural stories of Noah and Abraham and Moses. Mary had a a very deep, abiding faith, but she is an illustration of the positive of what James will later state in the negative in James chapter 2, verse 26, where the Bible says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Mary's faith, what she believed, what she knew about God, it led to what she did. She believed God with a faith that was willing to serve. And God used that kind of faith to bring the Savior into the world. What could God do with your faith? If that's the kind of faith that it was. We believe in God, we believe in the Bible, we believe in the wonderful stories and accounts that God has given to us there. We believe in the doctrinal truths that God has provided for us. And that's all tremendously important. It's vital, but we need to have the faith that Mary had, a faith that will serve. Because that's the kind of faith God uses To change the world. What could God use your faith to do? Realize the the power of decisive faith. The power of a faith that says, okay, God, this is what you said. I'm going to wake up this morning and this is what I'm going to do. That's a powerful faith. 
That's a kind of faith that God can use to change the world. And, and when you see that nativity scene, look back there in the background to that fellow standing over in the corner of the stable. Sometimes he's holding a staff. He's, he's looking lovingly over Mary and the child. You can just barely see his faith. But, but when you see that, remember, there's a decisive faith. And I can do that too. I can wake up this morning and say, God... I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. God, you show me in your world, your word, what you want me to do. Change my world. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Have a decisive faith. And as you look at those nativity scenes this week, and you see that, that beautiful woman kneeling by the, the manger, looking lovingly into the eyes of the Christ child, as you see Mary... Let it be an opportunity for you to pray, God, I'm your servant. Let it be to me, as you have said. Decisive faith, a faith that will serve, that's a faith through which God can change the world. Heavenly Father, help us. First of all, we all want faith. <laughs> we need to believe in you. That's where it all starts. And maybe there's someone here that's struggling with that, Lord. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's, that, that is burdened with, with a question of faith. Maybe they've been struggling with a decision to receive Christ as Savior. Maybe they've been struggling with some issue in their life and, and they've reached a question of faith. God, we just pray this morning you'll help them to believe. You'll help them to truly accept that you are real. Lord, for those of us that already know you, that for those of us that have entrusted our life into your hands, God, that's so vital. It's, it's so desperately important, but it doesn't stop there, Lord. You have saved us for a reason. You've saved us because you have extraordinary things that you want to do in and through our lives. And so, God, help us to have decisive faith. Faith that's willing to say, okay, Lord, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to go do it. To have a faith that's willing to serve, a faith that's willing to put others before ourselves, a faith that's willing to follow you, to say, I am your servant. God, help us to live lives of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.